Well, the wonderful cross. I want to start this morning by re-wishing you a uh, happy Valentine's Day. Hope God blesses you today. And it's appropriate that today we would be talking about love. That's exactly what we're going to look at in the scriptures in just a moment. But the the caveat or the twist to it is, uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, love is hard work. Now, before we jump into that, I want to remind us, and if you're visiting with us for the first time this morning, we want to welcome you as well. And to let you know, what we're doing is a study of discipleship. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And we're doing that because when we look around the world today, we see time and time again that it's getting crazier out there all the time. It's getting more violent. Middle East, here at home, uh, we and in, in, uh, all throughout New England, there's an epidemic, a growing epidemic of, uh, of uh, heroin addiction. There's all kinds of crazy things that we never would have dreamed of that are, that are happening all around us. Well, God's answer for all of that turmoil is the body of Christ. It's, it's the presence, the power of Jesus working in people, ordinary people like you and me, being salt and light in the world. So what we remind ourselves is, in our church, this one church in two locations, we focus on three actions that God calls us to, three very specific actions. And the first is that we would love God. He has come into our hearts by faith in Jesus, and he loves us. And uh, God calls us to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to return that love to him. That's what worship is all about. But not just on Sunday mornings. Sunday morning is to get us ready for Monday through Saturday, that each and every day of our lives would be a day of worship. Secondly, Jesus said the uh, second commandment is like the first commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's critically important that we understand uh, that we are to be in fellowship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what we'll focus on in just a few moments. But thirdly, uh, there is within each and every one of us a desire to have significance, to make a difference in this world. And to make a difference in this world is to, to serve God, to be humble before him and to serve him according to the gifts that he's given us in the church, but maybe more importantly, out in the world where people are are without Christ Jesus and they need to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. So these three actions, worship God, to to love one another, and to serve him. And what we'll focus on this morning is the aspect of fellowship, loving one another as brothers and and sisters in Christ. But we'll also see, we'll also, I believe, we'll all recognize that at times that is a lot of hard work. So we're going we're gonna to begin our study this morning by turning in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, wonderful pa- uh, passage, verse 12 through 17. And uh, our sister Marve is going to read for us. So as Marve makes her way up, she's going to read it for us in English. And our brother David is going to read it for us in French, David Nagala. So as they make their way to the uh, pulpit, if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God? Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender, tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make, make allowance, allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, 
which blends, blends us all together in perfect harmony. And let the, the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are, call, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and console each other console each other with all the wisdom he give he gives sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to god with thankful hearts and f- whatever you do or say do it as a respective of the lord jesus giving thanks through him to god and f- the father Ainsi donc, comme des élus de Dieu, saints et bien-aimés, revêtez-vous d'entrailles de miséricorde, de bonté, d'humilité, de douceur, de patience. Supportez-vous les uns les autres, et si l'un a sujet de se plaindre de l'autre, pardonnez-vous réciproquement. De même que Christ vous a pardonné, pardonnez-vous aussi. Mais par-dessus toutes ces choses, revêtez-vous de la charité qui est le lien de la perfection. Et que, le, et que la paix de Christ à laquelle vous avez été appelés pour former un seul corps règne dans vos cœurs et soyez reconnaissants. Que la parole de Christ habite parmi vous abondamment. Instruisez-vous et exhortez-vous les uns les autres en toute sagesse, par des psaumes, par des hymnes, par des cantiques spirituels, chantant à Dieu dans vos cœurs sous l'inspiration de la grâce. Et quoi que vous fassiez, en parole ou en œuvre, faites tout au nom du Seigneur Jésus en rendant par lui des actions de grâce à Dieu le Père. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the wonder of your word, but we thank you for your motivation is love towards us, God, and you want to, to transform us, you want to change us, you want to cause us to be more loving towards you, but to love one another. So we pray that this, uh, this time together you would take your word, you would plant it deeply in the fertile soil of our hearts, and that through that, God, you would change us and transform us. We pray for this. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Thank you, Marve. Thank you, David. Love is hard work. When we think of love, we think of maybe the first time we saw our husband, our wife, our boyfriend, or whatever. We had that kind of exciting feeling inside and so on and so forth. Uh, and that's all wonderful, but the love of God goes much, much deeper. It's much richer. And as the love of God unfolds in our lives as believers in Jesus, we recognize that it can be pretty hard work at times. Now, before we uh, look deeply at that, I want to give us a little context of the passage that was just read to us. First of all, it's by the Apostle Paul. Um, sorry, by the Apostle Paul. And he was in prison. He was writing to some young believers. People had just come to faith in Jesus in this uh, city of Colossae. And uh, they were doing pretty well until other people came into their church. And they began to say things like this. It's great that you know Jesus. That's all wonderful. But to go to a, a, a deeper spiritual realm, you need to deny yourself food or you need to be, uh, you need to be circumcised or you need to do all these other things. And then you'll have a deeper spiritual experience. Now, 
that happens to us in this world. Somebody might say it's great that you're a Christian or whatever, but you need to read a horoscope or maybe you need to do yoga or you might, any number of things. Well, as Paul was hearing this, it made him very angry. So he writes this letter to them and he has one purpose for the letter and that's to convince them, listen, don't listen to all that other stuff. If you've got Jesus, you've got more than enough. You are a brand new person. You are a child of the living God. You have everything to celebrate and focus your heart and your life on Jesus. Now, when it comes to this part, part of, the, uh, of the letter, Paul is coming to the conclusion of his letter. What he's doing in the letter is he's focusing their minds, their thoughts, their love on God, but also their love for one another. So what this is about is all about relationships. Relationships not only that we have, that we have with God, but the relationship that we have with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, but also the relationship that we have with people outside uh, of, the, of faith in Jesus. And we'll see that in just a moment. So love is hard work, and I want to give you three reasons why it's hard work. If you uh, take out your, uh, your handout, it looks like this. There's some words I want you to write down to, to help you grasp all of this. And the first word you're going to write down is the word standard. And here's why. It is God who sets the standard. God sets the standard for love. You and I, would, uh, we might say, well, I'm loving, or the person beside me is loving, or whatever, and we have our own set of standards, but the reality of it is God has set the standard for love, and it's, it's his standard that we focus on and that we learn from. Take a look at John 15, verse 12 through 13. I think you've got it on the screen there. These are Jesus' words. Listen to what he says. My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Now watch this. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his, one's life for one's friends. So that's the standard of love that God has, that God would send his son into the world and that he would be willing to lay down his life for you and me. Even though we didn't know him, even though we might uh, have problems in our life, whatever it might be, he has he's demonstrated his love towards us by becoming a human being and laying down his life for us. So that is God's standard. Now, how does it work in Paul's, Paul's passage here? Listen to what he says next. In verse 12, Paul says, Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves. Think about that for a moment. God chose you. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. The Bible says that none of us were seeking after God, but God came into our lives because of his profound and wonderful love for us. So he chose us. He came into our lives and to call us to be holy. Now that can be a little intimidating, can it? Can it? When you hear, well, you're supposed to be holy because we think, well, right away, do, do I have a halo over my head and do I have to carry my Bible everywhere I go? That's not what holy means in Scripture. What holy means in, in the Bible is that God has set us aside, set us apart from the world for himself. That's what holy means. Uh, but God can set apart, set apart robots. Uh, but his, what compels God is his love. He says, because he loves us. And some translations say, because he dearly loves us. So first and foremost, God's standard is understanding that, that he has chosen us. And he's chosen us and the moment that we believe in him as Lord and Savior, we become something brand new. And it's critically important for us to understand that because of what he says next. Listen to this. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We'll come back to that in just a moment. 
So what he's basically doing, Paul is saying, God has a command for you. You must do this. This is not a suggestion. Now, what's important is that we understand where Paul is coming from. And what he's communicating to them and the Spirit is getting us to understand is the moment that we've trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have become something brand new. We've become a child of the living God. So now you and I have a much higher standard uh, in the way that we treat each other and the way that we relate to one another and the relationships that we have with one another. It's not a standard that we used to have before we had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now we see that in the previous verses. If you have a Bible open, uh, you can follow along with me. If you don't, I'm going to read it to you. What I'm reading is verse 5 through 7, and here's what Paul says. Put to death the sinful earthly things, listen, listen to the word that's used in this translation, lurking in you. Interesting. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Now, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Now, here's the critical part. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Now, what is Paul teaching them? He's teaching them that you used to be something different. Before you came to know Christ as Lord and Savior, you were under the wrath of God. Uh, Paul said in one of, one of the parts of the letter, uh, you were evil because of your behavior. All of these things because we were separated from God. But the moment that we trusted in God, all of that changed. And we became somebody brand new. And once we became somebody brand new, once we became a whole different person in Christ Jesus, we've entered into a completely different standard for our relationships with one another. And the expectation that God has for us is that we would no longer treat each other like we used to treat each other. So that's why he said you must, there's no equivocation here, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted kindness. Now what does that mean? That means that we are compassionate towards other people that are going through suffering and difficulties. The old nature would say, well, it's your fault. You made your bed, sleep in it. Tough luck. Work your way through it. But under the new standard of who we are in Christ Jesus, no, we have compassion for people struggling, suffering. We are kind towards them. We would be, he says, to be humble. Well, what is humility? Well, Paul says in, in the, the, his letter to the Philippians, uh, do not consider yourself, uh, don't, don't operate your life with selfish amb ambition, but consider others to be better than yourself. Okay? That's humility. Not thinking about ourselves continuously, but beginning to think about the needs of those around us. In this passage, he says, be gentle and, and humble and kind and patient. And the structure of that in Greek means, uh, Paul is saying, I know that there are people that irritate you. But even though they irritate you, you still be kind and gentle and humble before them. Now, there might be people that irritate you, but you might be irritating other people. Okay? So it, it's a sword that cuts both ways. But now you're under a whole different set of standards. And we can't treat each other like we used to treat each other. He goes on to say, listen to this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Once again, that's the standard. How many times have we said in our hearts, we might not say it out loud, I forgive the person, but I'm not going to forget. 
That's not the standard that we're called to. You see, everything wrong that you did in the past, everything wrong that you'll do today, everything wrong that you do in the future, God forgave it all at the cross. In Colossians 2.13, that's what he says. And he forgave us all things at the cross. And so consequently, the standard that God has for you and me is that we forgive others. We forgive it all completely. We have amnesia when it comes to the things, the wrong things that people have done to us. It's all over. It's behind us. It's under the bridge. It's gone. The, the standard that God has used for us, we use that with others. So we are completely different the moment that we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let me give you an example. This past week, I was, uh, I was on Kanko Road, and uh, I was turning left onto Washington Avenue, headed home, and uh, minding my own business. The light turns green, so I, so I take off, and all of a sudden, this guy behind me is blasting his horn. I'm thinking, what on earth is... What? I turned around, and I said, what's your problem? <laughs> and he accommodated me by giving me one of his, one of his fingers back, and, and I got madder and madder, and then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, now, wait a second. What on earth is going on here? Well, I was responding according to the, to the old nature, the old sinful nature. Instead of responding according to the new nature that God has given to me in Christ Jesus. It's still there. But we have a different standard now. And the different standard is the standard that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, that can be, I don't know about for you, but for me, that can be a little overwhelming, this new standard. But what Paul wants to see them next, and the Spirit wants you and me to understand next, is that God has given to us a resource. Would you write that word down? God has given to us a resource. Now, as you write that down, uh, and, and that resource is God himself, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through Christ who strengthens me. Now, here's, here's what we've got to grasp and understand. As Christians, we fix in our minds that, yes, I've come to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yes, I'll, I'll agree, I'm a child of the living God. But, but I'm still a sinful person. And because I'm a sinful person, I still do wrong things. And absolutely, positively, the sin nature in us, the only thing it can do is sin. So our, our logical response to that is this. I've done something wrong, so I'm going to try harder. I've done something wrong, so I'm going to, I'm going to be better. I've done something wrong, so I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to improve myself. Well, listen, we've got to get over that. God is not interested in you and me. And he's especially not interested in you and me fixing ourselves. It's something that's broken, can't fix itself. What God is interested in, my friends, is Jesus. And the moment that you've trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, he now abides in you. He now dwells in you forever and ever. Amen. And because of him, glory to God, he is our resource. So God is not looking for you and me to fix ourselves. He's looking for you and me to trust in him. Now here's how it works out. Listen to what Paul says in verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. He doesn't say fix yourself. He says put on Christ Jesus. He is your resource. He's your resource when it comes to your marriage. He's your resource when it comes to your friendships, your co-workers, your neighbors, 
your schoolmates, whatever it may be. Because all of them, at some point in time, are going to offend you, and you're going to offend them as well. You're going to get angry at them. You're going to get upset with them. They're going to get angry and upset with you. And you, we think in our minds, well, I'll just fix myself, and I'll be better. It'll never happen. No, he wants us to put on love. Now, that word love is agape love. It's unconditional love. God's unconditional love given to us in Christ Jesus. And here's what it does. It binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, if you, if you haven't turned your paper over, please do. I want you to listen to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. And here's what uh, John says to us. Whoever does not love does not know God. So if you're not a loving person, it's a, it's, a, it's a big clue that you simply don't know God. And you need to come to know God as your Lord and Savior. Because God is love. Now that love, once again, if you do know Jesus, he's come into your heart. Now, now Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, something wonderful. Listen to this. For all the fullness of the deity dwells in him, in Jesus. So all of God the Father, all of God the Son, and all of God the Holy Spirit dwells in Jesus. And then listen to what he says. And you have been given fullness in him. So the moment that you trust in Jesus, you get all of God the Father, you get all of God the Son, and you get all of God the Holy Spirit, and you get that perfect love, and it comes to live inside of you, and it's never going to go away, and it's there to be your resource, your power, so that God transform you from the inside out, particularly in your relationships with other people. So if you're offended or you're hurt, you can say, Lord God, I'm offended and I'm hurt. I need your power. I need your strength to help me to forgive, to let it go. Uh, I need your, your power and your help to, to change me, to transform me. I'm feeling all these emotions. I don't want these emotions. Strengthen me according to your power. That's why he goes on to say in the next part of the verse. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. In the ancient world, that term, rule in your heart, you know, that would be the same today as, uh, as what we would think of as an umpire. The umpire, if you watch baseball at all, you know he calls balls and strikes. Well, when these different emotions come into us, these different circumstances come into us, these different things that, that upset us, he's saying, listen, don't give in to those. Uh, it's, a, it's a ball, let it go. Instead, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let, let my peace, let that be the power. Let that be the resource that replaces the emotion that you're feeling that's, that's happening right now when you feel offended or hurt or whatever it is. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always, always, always be thankful. Why be thankful? Well, first of all, if you try this out, it's guaranteed it's going to work. It, 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 it won't fail. If you try it out, when you're hurt, you're offended. You see, because what we, what we have, we're made up of bodies, we've got a soul, and we've got a spirit. Now, that's, when we speak of a, a person's soul, we're speaking of their mind, their emotions, and their will. Your mind, your emotions, and your will. That's your soul. Now, when somebody offends you or hurts you or whatever it is, that comes into your soul. and your, In your mind, you begin to think about it. You begin to dwell on it. You get angry. You want to get revenge. All of these things. And your, your emotions begin to say, I'm with you. I'm going to get really mad now. And then your will says, I'll get even, whatever it might be. But what Paul says, 
that's the old way of responding. You've got a new resource now. You've got a new power now. And that new power is the presence of Jesus. And he's not angry. He's not upset. He's more power than you need. Trust in him. If you look all around us, we get these light bulbs, don't we? And we've got light in this, this sanctuary because there's power that's flowing into those light bulbs. You don't write a check at the end of the month to Central Maine Dark Company. You write a check to Central Maine Power Company, right? Well, those light bulbs are pretty cheap. You can probably buy them for less than a buck. Uh, but because by themselves, they have very little value. But they have a whole lot of value when the, when the power begins to flow in and they begin to give light. You see, that's the resource that you and I have. It's the presence and the power of Christ in you and me. But it's not in there just to, just to meditate. It's in there to be practical in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationships to people all around you, in your church. Uh, so that's the source that God has given to us. The source is Christ Jesus. Because the third thing that we want to see, not only has God set a new standard for us, not only has God given us the power to, and, the, and the grace and the resource to meet that standard, what this is all about is the message of God, and the message of God is Jesus. So Jesus, the third word I want you to write down is the word message. Jesus is the message. And that's what Paul is communicating to them. Because he wants these, these new young believers to stop listening to all the phony information that's coming from outside in the world, focus their hearts and minds of, on Jesus, because through Jesus they become transformed. Through Jesus you and I become transformed. In particular, in our relationships with one another. That's why he goes on to say, in verse 16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. What is the message about Christ? Well, the message is that you and I were condemned by God, but God had mercy and compassion on us. He sent his son Jesus into this world, the perfect son of God, perfectly God and perfectly man. And when he walked the face of the earth, he lived in a perfect manner so that he would be the perfect sacrifice on our behalf so that God could take all of our sin, all of our rebellion, all of our broken relationships, all of our anger, all of our resentments, uh, all of that stuff, and put it on Jesus at the cross and pour out his wrath and anger against Jesus so that he wouldn't have to pour it out against you and me. And if that were not enough, he resurrected him from the dead on the third day so that he could give to you and me the fullness, the richness of Jesus Christ so that we could be transformed and be made something brand new so that we won't have to live like we used to have to live. We won't have to have the, 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 the relationships that we used to have. We can have new relationships, treat each other in a different way, in a compassionate and kind way, a loving way, a gentle way, a humble way, a patient way, whole different ball game so that you and I become the living message that goes out into the world so that people can see that there is hope in this world. There's salt and light in this world. They can see how you and I treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. They can watch our marriages and see how we treat each other as husband and wives. They can see how we treat each other as friends in the workplace, in the neighborhood, whatever it may be. So he goes on to say, teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Now, Paul was Jewish. And for the Jewish people, that word wisdom was very, very important. In fact, if you know anything about the book of Proverbs, it's a, it's a book of wisdom. And all of Proverbs hinges on verse 7, and it goes like this. 
the beginning of knowing God, the beginning of, uh, of knowledge of God is fear. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. And that's an, having an awe of God, a humility before God. That's how life begins. That how, that's how life begins to take on, on, on meaning, is when we, are, we have a fear, we have an awe of God. He becomes everything to us, first and foremost in our lives. And it meant skill for life. For the ancient Jewish people, if you, uh, if you had to feed your family, you, had, uh, you either took care of sheep or you went out and you hunted. And if you were skillful with a bow and arrow, the family would, would uh, you had wisdom. The family would eat. But if you weren't skillful, your family wouldn't eat. Okay? Well, God wants us to have skill for life. He wants us to have wisdom for life. He wants us to be able to live life to its fullest. And so he says, teach and counsel uh, each other with the skills he gives, with the life he gives. Now, what he means is, for those people, for you and me, our training ground is the church, okay? It's in our relationship with one another church. That's why small group is so important. That's why if you're not in a, in a small group, you really need to pray and think, think about it. You can start by coming to the adult Sunday school at 9.30, where you meet other people. But, but it's, it's how we interact with one another, because there are going to be times when we get upset with one another. There are going to be times when we disappoint one another. All of the gamut of things in the church, but it's in the church that we get to practice these things and begin to say, oh yeah, wait a second, there's a whole different standard that I've got to treat my brother and sister in Christ. But I can do it because I can't do it. God can do it in me and through me because he's changing the message of my life so that Jesus resonates in me and I bring Jesus out into the world. So that's why it's so important that we are engaged in small groups. That's why it's so important that we get to know one another. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. We love one another. Not with an emotional love, but with a deep abiding love that is given to us through the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. That's why love is hard. It's hard work. It's not easy. When difficulties come, we want to revert back the old way and run away from conflict. But we can't do that. There's a whole different standard that we're called to. But we've got the resource to meet all of that. He, he continues uh, finally and says, and whatever you do or say, do it as, listen to this, a representative of the Lord. I love this translation. Because you and I take it out into the world. If we can't do it in here, we're not going to do it out there. But we can do it here. Uh, because we're learning that there's a, we're called to a whole different standard. We're not like the rest of the world. We have the presence of the power of God living in us, the presence of the power of Jesus living in us. And so we become Jesus' message to the world. So he says, uh, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This works when we apply it. And when we apply it, we say, thank you, Lord. We give thanks in all things. So if you look at the bottom of your, uh, the second part of your paper, here's your what to do. I want you to, if you're not involved with a small group, I, I want you to pray about it. Uh, if you're a young person here today, under the age of 30, we've got a great group that uh, Jason and Lisa that are, are leading on Tuesday nights. You need to think about getting involved with that. Uh, they're doing crazy love. Uh, we've got a group on Monday nights. We've got a great men's group meeting at 6.30 on 
Tuesday mornings. There's all kinds of different opportunities for you to get plugged in so that you're connecting and building relationships with other people. You're, you're figuring out that, that you're part of a new standard, but you've got a resource as the presence of God living in your heart so that you can be more and more the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ going out into the world. Maybe at this point in time you need to join the church. Maybe God is prompting you and he's calling you. We'll have a, a class 101 coming up in, in the next couple of weeks and, and you can uh, take a step and join the church. But all of this is to, to remind us that God is calling us into a relationship with one another. We know that it's hard work at times, but even though it's hard work, we don't run from it. We don't run from conflict. We have the resources in the presence of God to work our way through these things so that God can change us and transform us and we become that wonderful, beautiful message of the gospel of Jesus going out into a world that's in desperate need of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. There was a, uh, a teacher and, uh, uh, well actually there was, a, there, was a, there was a guy that had a son that was doing very well in high school and he was excited about his uh, son's accomplishment and what he was excited about is his son was going to graduate and go on to college. Well, this one semester in his senior year, he gets the report card back, and his son had failed a class. Well, this made the father very angry because it was jeopardizing his son, the potential of his son going on to college. So he became very angry. And uh, he went right into the school, went right to the classroom, and he met with the teacher, and he made it very clear that he was angry. Well, the teacher didn't back down. The teacher knew that he was right, knew that this guy's son hadn't done the work, and he, because he didn't do the work, he failed. Well, the teacher got very, the, the father got even more angry, and he said, I'm going to make certain that you get fired. And he yelled at him with all kinds of expletives, and he stormed out of the class and went right down to the principal's office. He told the principal what was going on, and he demanded that this teacher that had failed his son, that this teacher would be fired and be fired immediately. Well, the principal, he knew what was going on in all this. The principal stood with the teacher and he said, no, this is, I can't do that. The, the teacher's right. Your son didn't do the work, so on and so forth. Well, needless to say, the father got even more angry. And he said, I'm going to go to the school board and I'm going to have you removed as the principal. You'll never work anyplace ever again and blah, blah, blah. And in all that anger uh, that, he was, that he was pouring out on the, on the principal, Believe it or not, there was just a brief pause, just a split-second pause. And in that pause, that split-second pause, the principal said this, Sir, I can see that you love your son very much. And all of a sudden, that anger turned into tears. And the tears turned into a time of healing for the father, the principal, the teacher, and the son. Why? Because God's grace was working in that principle. And in that principle, he knew that he was called to a higher standard, that he didn't have to respond in, in the old way of responding. But he also knew that he had a resource that was beyond himself, and that was the presence and the power of Jesus Christ living in him. And because of the way he responded, he became the message of the gospel of Jesus to that angry father. Listen. We all experience the love of God. 
But in our relationships with one another, that love can be hard work. Let's pray. God, we praise you and thank you that you have given to us a love that's supernatural. It's beyond us. And man, we need that kind of love. But we also need to be reminded and learn, Lord Jesus, that we are called to a higher standard. We are your children. We can't respond like we, we got to grow up. We can't respond like we used to respond. We got to respond with tender hearted kindness and patience and gentleness and love and mercy and compassion, all of this thing. But we don't have to be intimidated by that because you are our resource. You live inside of us. You love us. You delight in changing us and transforming us. Because you, Lord God, you want us to be the message. You want us to be salt and light. You want us to be carrying that, that grace into the world, into a world that's in desperate need of Jesus. So this morning I pray for us, Lord. This coming week we're going to experience all kinds of trials and and disappointments, that we're going to experience all kinds of things that disappoint us and make us mad and <laughs> upset us, and whether it's with our husband or with our wife or our children, whatever it might be. But Lord, would you please remind us that love, real love, is hard work. We thank you for this, Lord, and pray for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen.